You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. We're going to have a good time today, okay? Okay? I'm sorry. Some of y'all are like, I don't know if COVID will let us smile. You can smile. We can see it in your eyes. It is my pleasure to be with you today. It is an honor. I love Asbury, and I'm telling you that not because I'm here. You know, I have rock stars come in, and they're like, hello, Cleveland! And it's like, where are we? We're in Toledo? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I actually love Asbury. When I was coming up in the faith, I would read about the revival that happened here and was so in awe of what God did in this very place. So to stand here I'm honored to be with you, socially distant or not, I'm glad to be here. Today we're going to walk through something that has been wrecking me on the inside, and um, I don't like it when I'm the only one getting my butt kicked, so here you go. Um, God has been kicking my butt around a concept that I think our culture is missing right now. We're going to come out of Luke chapter 10, um, and in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is denouncing the indifference of the culture of his day. See, the chapter starts with him sending his disciples out and saying, go heal the sick, um, cast out demons, do great things, and when they come back and they're in awe, and this was like he sent 72 guys out, and when they come back, they're like, wow, We can't believe what just happened. And he said, you know, a cooler thing is happening. God knows your name and there's a spot for you in heaven. So the fact that you saw demons come out is really not that spectacular because there's a more spectacular miracle at hand. You get to know God and God knows you. And then... um, a smarty pants religious lawyer um, comes up to him and he asks a question to Jesus and he asks, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, you know, Jesus flipped it on him and said, okay, um, what do you think? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Um, and This is not that strange because it's a very old thing that Jesus is bringing up and the young guy would have known it. Then the smart aleck kind of says, um, well, who's my neighbor? Let's go a little deeper. Let's, who is my neighbor? And, you know, we all know that guy. We all know that person. You know that person? It's like, oh, can't you just shut up? Um, We all know that person. And that's who this guy is. It's like the answer was good enough. Now, at the time... Many um, of these young guys would come and they'd ask questions of different religious leaders. I'm asking you to see what your perspective is, and I'm asking you to see what your perspective is, and I'm asking you. So this is a common thing, but the fact that he came back because the answer wasn't good enough gives us insight into this young man's character, and it says he did it to try to justify himself. So Jesus tells him a story. 
Now let's stop here. The overarching point that Jesus is making is an important message, and it's one that none of us would argue with. You could not be a Christian. I'm not fool enough to think that everybody in the building is all believers and whatnot, but we could all agree that, yes, this is the most important thing, and we get it. Love God with everything and love your neighbor. Love other people the way you want to be loved. That's the whole context for the story we're about to read. And Jesus tells a parable, and a parable is basically a story with a message at the end. It's like, oh, that was good. Message? You know, it's just like everything's fine. Message? And oh, wow. You just, you ever have that? It's lost and you're like, that's so good. And then there's a message at the end of it. That's the point of a parable. So Jesus is giving one of these stories as he did. And he liked to tell stories because people are stupid. Come on now. You know you thought it. I'm just saying it out loud. So I got to tell a story because you won't remember the facts. And so Jesus tells a story. And I do think Jesus has a sense of humor, by the way. I think he's hilarious. He's just funny. And so he gives this guy a story. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The neck, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you and I, I come back. And which of these three do you think proved the neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now, like I said, this is something that's been just kicking my butt. Uh, if you've been in church at any clip, you know this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Once again, the backdrop is Jesus is saying, you've got to love God and love people and the parable is illustrating that. You see, the priest uh, at that time, I used to think the priest was avoiding this man, this fellow Jewish man. He was avoiding him because, you know, he was scared about tainting himself ceremonially and wouldn't be able to work in the temple. But that's not what the text says. The text says that he was leaving Jerusalem, so he was coming from working in the temple, and the priest had no excuse. But the priest of this day had a tendency to be hyper-religious. You know hyper-religious? You know people that can't eat a piece of candy without praying, oh, Jesus, thank you for this tic-tac and blessing it and let it be nourishing to my... Shut up! Eat the stupid TikTok. You get what I'm saying? We... Just sometimes people are a little too much. 
and the priest is being too much. You see, this road that you would go to from Jerusalem down to Jericho is over 10 miles long, and thieves would hide and wait because it was a relatively lonely road, and someone by themselves could have easily have been beaten up and robbed because you're coming from the center of commerce. You're coming from the place uh, of great things happening. You're coming from the metropolitan place and going to the suburb. So you might have something so we'll beat you and take your stuff. And the priest, instead of showing compassion on this man, he walked by on the other side. And then the Levite. Now, Levites were spiritual guys too, but they weren't the extremely spiritual. They didn't have as many rules as the, as the uh, priests had. They just, you know, were nice spiritual guys. And even he is like, ooh, there it is. And then walked to the other side. And this man is literally beaten and on the brink of death. But neither one of these people care enough. See, Sometimes those who say they love Jesus give excuses for why they don't show the love of Jesus. Sometimes people who luxuriate in the presence of God fail to extend that presence to others. It's easy to sing your hallelujahs when you're in a room like this, but it's hard to show compassion when you get outside of it. Or as I like to say, sometimes Christians suck. Can he say that? He just did. Yep. Um, but it bothers me deeply. Because there's something wrong with us. When we who say that the grace of God is the most important thing in the world fail to be gracious to others. Amen. You don't have to say it. It was good to me. This is a problem that I'm finding all too often in the church today. You talk good, but you walk bad. You walk on the other side. You avoid hard times. You avoid hard conversations. You avoid people who are hurting and wounded and broken. It bothers me deeply. I've spent the last eight years of my life loving on the broken, the wounding, the hurting in, in the hardest part of the city of Atlanta. And the only reason we stopped doing that work was because God said, stop. I didn't know God gave me the cheat code to COVID. We stopped two weeks before the world stopped, and at that moment, we didn't know the world was going to stop. But I've been spending years working with crack addicts and uh, kids who have been aborted and, and young adults who have been put out of um, their house for whatever reason, whether their sexuality or their um, drug use and their living. We've been spending years loving on people. What I'm not saying, let me tell you what I'm not saying before I tell you what I'm going to tell you. What I'm not saying is that doing good work and loving people and serving others gets you into heaven and makes you God's better 
your friend and makes you extra special. No, I'm not saying that. If you think you're hearing that, you're hearing wrong. I'm not saying that the works we do for God get us close to God. But what I am saying is the works you do because you're already close to God should be evident to all those who need God. We should see through your actions that you are who you say you believe, not your actions make you something. Your actions should come out of your being. Basically, you should be different. When you say you love him, you should live like you love him. Or as Jesus says, if you love me, do what I said. Is that too tough? Is that uh, be, be nicer, Damien? I've been living like this. And it's been driving me crazy because I've been seeing my fellow believers go, oh, God bless your heart. That's so special. I just want to hit them in the throat. <laughs> Why aren't you doing this? And I'm not saying you got to be doing the same thing I'm doing, but do something. Doing nothing is not an option. Because you have the king of glory living in your heart and you couldn't have ever earned his goodness or his love, but he gave it to you. So how dare you not share with others? Remember, that's our lead-in. That's what Jesus started with, love God and love people. You can't say you love God and then ignore people formed in his image. And you love them the same way you love yourself. And I think part of our problem is we don't love ourselves. Okay, I'm going to keep going on. It's hard to love other people like you love yourself and you don't even love yourself. Some of you, you are the ugliest person you've ever seen in your life. And God is looking at you saying, I think you're gorgeous. But you're like, no, I'm ugly. And then when time comes to see beauty in someone else, you can't see beauty in them because you don't see beauty in yourself. Amen, somebody. You see, following Jesus is to end the low self-esteem. Because if he sees you as beautiful, how dare you not see yourself? Okay, I'm by myself up here. It's fine. I'm just going to keep talking. But somebody in here needed to hear what I just said. Somebody in here, that just set you free. Keep going. Got a lot more to handle. This is me talking to myself. I got to do that sometimes. I get distracted. The person that showed compassion to this Jewish man was a Samaritan. Now this may miss you if you've read it a bunch of times, but the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. This is the Montagues and the Capulets. No? Thank you. This is the Hatfields and the McCoys. This is pure blood versus mud blood. It's Fox News and CNN. See, they hated each other. Could not get along. And the Jews at the time were the ones that were the more vaulted people because they looked down on the Samaritans. They considered them dirty. So if anybody had a right to ignore this man's pain, it's a Samaritan. If you want to look at this dynamic, look at Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus goes through Samaria and most Jews went way around, but Jesus went in and his disciples were catching up. And when they got there, he's talking to a woman and a Samaritan woman and they're like, oh, can we do this? Is this all right? And he's like, just no, I'm going to stay here and do ministry here because she has formed 
the way I meant for her to be formed. I just got to work on her sin issue. This is a deep hatred that these people have for one another. But this person who has no right to look on this other person decides that you are worthy in spite of your cultural or racial difference. I see value in you and I'm going to care enough to check on your situation to where other people just walked on the other side. There's a few lessons I think we can get out of this. Lesson number one is we must see and be moved by the brokenness of others. We must see and be moved by the brokenness of others. The priests and the Levites didn't even see. They decided to ignore other people's pain. But this Samaritan in this parable that Jesus is teaching decided to care enough. Let me see if you're all right. Let me go beyond my own comfort zone to look on somebody who thinks like, who looks like, who functions like, Something other than what I'm comfortable with. But at that moment, what didn't matter was the cultural or racial difference. What mattered in that moment was there's a person in need and I must care about them. I can't sit idly by and listen to the cries of people and act as if it doesn't matter. And Jesus is saying this because the people who say they represent God aren't representing him to other people who are hurting and are broken. Do you look for opportunities to show compassion or do you give excuses for why you don't need to? Some of you, this is hitting you because you just got a roommate that you think is a little too weird. And you're coming up with reasons why, oh, we're just social distancing so I don't have to talk to her. Let's go to worship. Shame. We make, we're wonderful at making excuses for why we don't have to be, we don't have to love people the way we want to be loved. This man is beaten and broken. See, the, the flip is, if you were in that situation, what would you want somebody to do? And if you'd want somebody to show you compassion and care and step into your world and do something, if you don't do it, then you just failed what the whole point is. What's most important? Love God and love people. Well, how do you love people? This is how you love people. Lesson number two. We must invest our time and energy in showing compassion for the hurting. You see, it's not enough to say you care for hurting people. It should show in your actions. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, I'm a college student. I don't really know. But yeah, if you start doing this now, you'll do this forever. If you put it off and make excuses for why you don't do this now, you'll always be that really sorry Christian who talks a good game but lives nothing. You'll be the churchgoer that when you were young, you couldn't stand. You just became them. I thought they said he was nice. I know. You see, I'm not even talking to those who aren't believers. I'm talking to the believers, and I'm saying, be better. God deserves better from you than this half-hearted blindness that we walk in this life with. 
position. If we were ostracized and ignored and hungry and hurting, we want somebody to care. So how dare we stick our fingers in our ears and walk the other way? And some of us use our politics as an excuse for why we don't need to care. Okay, I just hit something. I felt that. You see, if, if you're quoting rhetoric about people, you're probably already a little guilty. Because we'll talk about people we've never looked in the eyes of. I remember there were years ago, um, I was about six years old. I, live, I come from a very urban uh, area where we were struggling to live and survive, but I grew up in a project, and I'm walking through the projects, and I'm eating a sandwich. I don't even know what the sandwich was, but it was delicious. Best sandwich of my entire life. I don't know what was in that sandwich, but I promise you, it tasted good. And that was about two bites in. You know, you got the chunk, chunk, and then you got the little bit sticking up, and you got two hands on it, and it's like... <laughs> It's my sandwich. I've never made a sandwich that good in my life. This is a singular sandwich. Best sandwich ever. And I'm walking through the project and I'm eating my sandwich and I am happy. Six years old. And we had a town drunk named David Jones. We used to come up with little songs about David Jones as kids because kids are just jerks. David Jones smelled. He always had alcohol on his breath. His eyes were bloodshot. He was 50, 60 eyes, maybe 60, 65. And he smelled. He always smelled like urine. And sometimes he smelled like feces. And he had body odor. He stunk. You could smell him coming. And you knew his particular stench. David Jones was a ragged old man. And we made fun of him. I remember that at the church that I'd go to occasionally, they bought him down one Sunday. I I was sitting in the balcony. I remember them bringing him down and sitting him on the front seat trying to adhere to Scripture and give honor to this man. And I'm thinking he is uncomfortable and so is everyone else. Maybe this isn't the best way to show compassion. So I'm walking with my sandwich and David Jones is sitting there. And David Jones looks to me and he looks me in my eyes. Old man, young boy. And he looks me dead in my eyes and he says, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, please. And I look at my sandwich and I look at David Jones and I look at my sandwich and I look at David Jones and I look back at my delicious sandwich. But David Jones probably hadn't eaten in days. And I gave David Jones my sandwich. Because a six-year-old me who didn't know a whole lot about Jesus, it felt wrong to be able to help somebody that was hurting and to simply walk by and ignore their cries. I wonder how many other people had walked by David Jones that same day and ignored his desperate cries. He was so broken that it didn't matter that he was asking for help from a six-year-old. All he knew is he had a need and somebody had to help him. And that day, the only person 
who cared enough to look in his eyes and see the image of God reflected back was a six-year-old kid And I see people who say they represent my Jesus doing that every day. They hear the cries of people who are hurting and they're not moved in their heart to do anything about it. They couch it in political language. They couch it in, well, I got here, you should do something for yourself. They never stop to look in the eyes and see the image of God reflected back. They don't love their neighbor, but they claim to know God. And it breaks Jesus' heart because he and they deserve better than that. You are in a world where it is easy to talk about people and not know people. You are in a world where folks would sit at home and talk about things on social media, but won't get out of their house and talk to a person. But they feel justified to judge somebody else. And they refuse to walk a mile in those shoes. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? And we wonder why people don't want to come to Jesus. It's because those who are supposed to show his kind of love and compassion are too busy to care or too prideful. You see, we have to do something about the brokenness of others. We have to be moved into action. The Bible says be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when you do that, you deceive yourself. You, you thought you were something you really weren't. I'm not saying don't talk about Jesus. I'm just saying let your walk match your talk. I'm saying, actually be a Christian. Don't talk about the grace of God. Show the grace of God. And if you're not willing to do it, then please stop calling yourself a Christian because you're making the rest of us look bad. Yeah, I said it. You don't like me. Fight me later. I ain't scared of you. But I care a whole lot about Jesus' reputation in the world. And I care a lot about his fellow, the people he made in his image and in his likeness. Here's the big idea. We reveal our love for God and how we care for those who are broken, hurting, and in need. We reveal, it's evident, we reveal our love for God 
and how we care for those who are broken, hurting, and in need. Jesus told this young man, he said, he told him the story and then he said, you go do likewise. That's my message for you today. Go do likewise. Instead of finding excuses for why you don't have to, find an excuse to. Find an orphanage, find an opportunity, find somewhere where people can be loved and show compassion. Don't sit back. Don't talk about Jesus and not actually express his love in the world. Yeah, people may be horrible shades of the glory of God reflected. They may be wrapped up in their sin, but so were you once. And I don't know if repentance is in order or just an acceptance of God I want to be used to show loving kindness to others.